Going Home, Episode 6, Now We Got Trouble. Chapter 20, next day, early morning. We now cut back inside the Sullivan farmhouse. Steve is cleaning up in the kitchen. He cleans on a bit and then picks up a very old breakfast plate that has a picture of Niagara Falls on it. The plate would date from sometime in the 1950s. One of those brightly colored souvenir plates that used to be a special holiday plate, but has now been demoted to breakfast duty. Farm family dishes used to be a mix and match affair. Most drinking glasses came from gas station giveaways. Fill her up, get a free drinking glass. Other dishes came from prizes won in fall fairs or traveling carnivals. The ring the bell with a sledgehammer game usually got you a coffee mug or a cupid doll. Take your pick. You want both? Go again. Then there were always various dishes from a dead auntie. Why the dead auntie ever broke up a set and handed different dishes around to various family members is a mystery, but I suspect they just wanted to be fair to everyone. People used to put a great deal of stock in being fair to everyone. But that aside, there was always one travel plate that no one had any idea where it came from. It was always the most colorful plate in the cupboard. The class clown, if you will. The plate that came from Hawaii or Florida and pictured people standing around in bathing suits looking a bit too pleased with themselves and straw drinking out of a hole in a coconut. Things and places that most families in the 1950s never, ever got to. But because of this plate, they could dream on. I phoned on the doctor today, Danny. Did you hear that? Danny? God damn it! Like I told you, he's brain damaged. When he was about four years old, our father, Sully that is, backed over him with his truck, crushing his head into the laneway. He was in a coma for a few days and was lucky to survive. He really hasn't been right since. He used to get terrible headaches when he was young, but now, I don't know. Strange, after all Danny has gone through with the old man, he still worships him. And it was Esther and I, well, it was mostly Esther, who had to look after him while he was growing up. He didn't talk much and got into a lot of trouble around town, mostly because he never tried to get along. Of course, who's behind all of this? Sully. Not only was he responsible for Danny's trauma, he kept his entire family on edge. It was always Sully. He has an unquenchable thirst for selfishness that all of us have had to live through. The pay me now phone calls, the drinking blackouts, the car crashes. But as he will tell you, like he told me the last time we spoke, Stevie boy, that's all behind me. That behavior is in the rearview mirror. I've all but quit drinking and broomed out my demons. I'm writing a whole new script. I wonder if that new script involves dropping the phony Irish accent. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling from Glen to Glen. That was how we'd start our day, over breakfast, before school. And the more he sang, the thicker that accent got. Until he'd, top of the morning, boys, to ya. And out the door he went. 
It was all a put on. That accent was as transparent as he is. I'm addicted to award shows. I tape or download award shows from around the world, from Korean wedding party award shows to Alaskan dog sled award shows. And then I watch them continuously over and over again. I watch them because there are no gray areas in award shows. You either win or you lose. No in between. Of course, being me, you knew it would be the loser's speech that I liked the best. Standing there acting big and cheerful for all the world to see. Pretending they're happy they lost. They're not happy and they're probably scarred for life. But for some reason, this pain comforts me. And I well up and bite my lip right along with them. Like it was me that lost. And you know, I don't mind losing because sometimes losing feels like winning. Uh, Dr. Howe, yeah, thanks for returning my phone call. Chapter 21. We come up on Maynard driving his police vehicle down a country road. When he spots us, he gives a little wave. I'm on my way to the Sullivan farm. The purpose being to question Michael Sullivan about his association with a vehicular theft. A theft, as you will remember, we earlier gathered information about. I am almost 100% certain that Mr. Sullivan is the perpetrator, as he perfectly matches the physical description given to me by Jack and Julie Saunders. Furthermore, this description has now been verified by two other witnesses as well. They certified having seen our person of interest refilling said pickup in a gas station over in Sunridge Falls. Now, as all of you should well know, I am going into this situation with some apprehension due to the past volatility of this family. I could have asked for backup, but believe me, that backup would have only escalated the situation. Also, there is the point of Esther Sullivan and myself having a past relationship. Not that our history would interfere with my professionalism, but I do not want to push the wrong buttons, so to speak. She can cause disturbances as well. I remember one incident from our high school days that took place at our local town hockey arena. Esther got into a down-and-out fistfight with one of the other town toughies who had accused Esther of flirting with her boyfriend. Now, Esther can hold her own in a confrontation. In fact, she smoked Evelyn Ann Cook, the town toughie. Since that time, I have heard that she has mellowed considerably and has engaged in alternative ways to control her anger. So. I do look to her as a voice of reason, and as well to her older brother Stephen. Stephen and myself were in the high school camera club together, and developed an affinity for the magic of the frozen moment. Camera club members are a very loyal group. Our motto was, we span the years, from shoulder to shoulder, from click to clack. But as you well know, Michael Sullivan, and especially the youngest son, Danny, could make the coming situation very explosive. I cannot solely rely on my taser. I can't shoot everybody. So I must call upon my de-escalation skills. Now some of you have asked for me to expand on this procedure, so I shall. 
de-escalation skills involve a number of working points. First being, I must provide undivided attention. How's it going talk does not work. Let them talk. My job is to listen. Second rule is, no sudden, loud, or startling movements. Hey! What's up, brother? Sudden movements and loud speech can lead to very explosive situations. Okay, here we are at the farm. The third point is focus on feelings, allowing for silence and being non-judgmental. It looks quiet enough, but I never let that fool me. I also do not see Danny's car, which is a very good sign, but now is not the time to let down my guard. Before Maynard exits his police car, he checks himself out in his overhead mirror. He gussies himself up, more in a am-I-looking-good look than anything to do with looking professional. He exits the car. He will then assume an exaggerated casual stance. He puts on his OPP hat and rakes it to one side. The overall look is relaxed, but important. You know that look. Chapter 22. We angle up on Sully driving the stolen pickup truck. Well, I fell down the mine shaft of love, got bit by an ugly turtle dove. Well, I fell into quick with a scheming little chick when I fell down the mine shaft of love. So I'm headed for the wasteland again, back where a friend's round the bend. Let that sweet dog roll in, cause I need my sin, and I'm headed for the wasteland again. Chapter 23. We cut back to the Sullivan farm. Maynard has moved to the front of his car and has bent over tying his shoe. Now, what I like to do at this point is try and put the perpetrators at ease. I stop like this and retie my shoes. And full knowledge that one of them is probably looking out a house window right now, saying to him or herself, hey, what do you know? His shoelaces come undone too. He's not the enemy. He's a friend. And to the untrained eye, this scene looks beatific. It has a no one home but us chickens look to it. And don't be fooled by beauty or chickens. Darkness can walk into any tranquil moment like that. This pastoral vista can explode into untold violence at the drop of a Sunday school picnic napkin. You hear that? That is silence talking. And that silence will start a bonfire in the head of a new rookie, burn down all his or her training, 
scorched earth everywhere. At this point, a new recruit will more than likely pull his or her service revolver and go downtown on all of this tension. What does a veteran do? A veteran reties his shoes. Maynard reties his shoes. He then moves slowly towards the farmhouse, looking this way and that. He ties his shoes again. He moves towards the house again, a crow caws. Maynard quickly pulls his taser and hits the ground, and then begins to roll over and over, and then he will start crawling serpentine towards the house. He then stops rolling and listens. Silence. He then gets up and brushes himself off, looking a bit sheepish. Chapter 24 We come on a wide shot of another country road. Danny's car is stopped on the left side of the road. The driver's door is open, but no Danny. We hear the usual country sounds, and then off we hear the sounds of someone deep breathing. We then move into the drainage ditch that runs along the side of the road. Danny is sitting in the ditch, breathing deeply. trying to catch my breath. Only don't tell my sister you saw that. She'll call it deep breathing. The reason for catching my breath is this. I just now got laden with some new disturbing facts from Vera. She slept with the old man's shirt again and finally got a vision. And her vision is, get this, she now sees Sully over in Birch Grove, graveside with my dead mother. And don't look at me like that. I know what you're thinking. You think that sounds all cuddly, kit, and cute. You think that should move me, should warm my heart, because we got my dear, sweet father, graveside, talking to my dear, sweet, dead mother, telling her how much he misses her. Oh yeah, all good, bring on the heavenly choir. But why, oh why do I smell a rat in all of that? Why do I smell like something's gone wrong? Why does my stomach feel like I got a Chevy Camaro down there burning donuts? Because I don't trust Cuddly Q. That's why. And if you ask me, we're only seeing the very tip of this iceberg. Something else going on down below the waterline. A piece of the jigsaw puzzle I can't see yet. And that missing piece of the jigsaw involves dread. My dread. I got this dreaded feeling the old man is headed into new territory. Territory that don't look nothing like this around here. He's gone down the rabbit hole and entered Never Never Land. <sighs> God damn it. <clears throat> you know what I could use right about now? A good taser. That's what I need. I need to get taken down a notch or two. Get my playing field leveled. A good tasering can do that for you. Takes you up, up, and away from the everyday. You get to float like a king, way above all this earthly turmoil. It's just you and a stratosphere. You don't have to think about nothing. You can forget all about bill collectors and people that piss you off and cars that don't start. 
You don't even have to think about bodily functions. Hey, what? Shit your pants? So what? It's all out of your hands. You're in a state of bliss. The only drawback is the extreme pain you got to go through to get to this state of bliss. But nobody said life was going to be a straight plow cut. And I always feel better when I get back to the here and now. I appreciate things more. Mostly, I appreciate sitting in water. Like this ditch water I'm sitting in right now. I've got a lot of good thinking done sitting in ditch water. Don't ask me why. Chapter 25. We come up on a head and shoulder shot of Jack Maynard. Hello, my name is Officer Jack Maynard and Esther? Esther, is that you? It's me, Jack. Jack Maynard. We went to school. Skating, bush parties. Ah, okay, never mind that now. Is, uh, is Stephen around? It's like I would like to speak to both of you if I could. It's just, well, okay, I could tell you. I have some rather disturbing news regarding your father. But don't get me wrong, we have not as yet located him. So, as far as we know, he is still physically alright, but he does match the description of a man who is wanted for vehicular theft. Ste Stephen! Stephen! Jack Maynard! High school! You remember? Y you do. You do. That's good. Well, as I was telling your sister, Esther, unfortunately, your father is a suspect in a stolen truck situation. Perhaps I should come in and speak with you about the situation regarding your father. I may be able to provide both of you some direction in regards to this matter. 